0: If you have escaped the phenomenon, then give thanks. If you haven't been approached by someone who has tried to sell you essential oils, or if you haven't been approached by someone who has tried to put essential oils on you when you told them that you were sick, then you might have been living under a rock. But consider yourself lucky the essential oils police are out there and they will get you. Mention a symptom, mention an illness, and the essential oils police will diagnose you and prescribe you an oil to heal you. If you have somehow managed to escape this phenomenon, consider yourself lucky and give thanks. Now, please listen to me, okay? We use essential oils in our house. This might be the most important part of the sermon. Hear me out. We use essential oils in our house. My wife has tons of them. We have been using them since we were married. My wife was way ahead of the essential oils bandwagon. So no emails, please. And please do not leave the church because I threw essential oils under the bus. We use them. We have lots of them in our house. I use them. So I'm poking fun of us. And my sister-in-law works for doTERRA, the largest essential oils company out there. So when I speak like this, I'm poking fun of me, I'm poking fun of my family, and I'm poking fun of all of you essential oils police that are out there. That said, here are a few essential oils memes that I think are quite funny. One simply does not run out of lavender if they have kids. Number two, I love essential oils. Oils are my favorite. If you cannot look at that and not hear Will Ferrell's voice in your head, then you probably haven't seen the movie Elf. Here's number three. This was a really close favorite of mine. It's not my favorite, but this is really close. It reads this way. Is there an essential oil to get you to shut up about essential oils? (laughs) And this last one is my favorite. My favorite essential oil is bacon grease. What we'll see today may seem like an essential oils police, an essential oils lover has barged into a leper's house to anoint not the leper, but Jesus with essential oils. But that's actually not what is happening. The woman that we will see today is not part of the essential oils police, she's not an essential oils lover. She's a Jesus lover, and she will show her love and devotion for him by pouring this jar of essential oils all over his head while he is eating dinner. And Jesus won't mind one bit. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. But I want to read a verse from the book of Hebrews first before we begin because the truth of this verse in the book of Hebrews is the same truth that we will see in Mark's gospel today and it will help form our big idea. So here it is, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. The preacher of Hebrews is telling us that God is not So unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And Mark is going to show us today from his gospel that this verse in Hebrews is true. Mark will show us that Jesus fully endorses this idea. Jesus will tell a woman in our passage today that news of her love and devotion for him would go to the ends of the earth as the gospel goes to the nations. Jesus wants the disciples to know that God is not unjust and that he will never forget the good that we do in his name. And this woman in Mark's gospel is proof of that. So our big idea today is this. God can't remember all the bad things you have done, and he won't forget all the good things you do. God can't remember all the bad things you have done, and he won't forget all the good things you do. And so if you are a Christian, you're united by faith to Jesus and in union with him, then everything that you have ever done against him and against him His glory and against His law, He can't remember. And everything that you have done or will do for the good of others and for the glory of God's name, He won't forget. The good news of the gospel is that he can't remember our sins because Jesus took our blame on the cross, but also that he will never overlook or forget our good works and the love that we show for others. Even if we put essential oils on someone. Now, let me show you where I'm getting all of that. Look at Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people." So as we make our way through the rest of Mark's gospel, please know that death is in the air wherever we go from here on out. Wherever we go in Mark's gospel, death is in the air. The death of Jesus is in the air. In this section that we will look at today, Mark tells us that the religious leaders were looking for a way to arrest Jesus and then have him killed. They want to murder him. But because it was two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the religious leaders knew that they had to wait. They had to wait to murder him. Why? Because there were so many people in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, they knew that arresting Jesus had the potential to cause a riot. And so death is in the air in this chapter. There's some essential oils in the air we'll see in a moment, but death is in the air lambs were being prepared in jerusalem in order to be slaughtered and the religious leaders were planning a way to kill jesus but those who were plotting the death of jesus had no idea that all of their plotting and all of their scheming was actually working with jesus's plan to go to the cross and to give his life as a ransom for many what they meant for evil god would work for good What they did not know while they celebrated Passover was that Jesus was the Passover lamb that would be sacrificed in just a few short days. So we have the religious leaders who are looking for a way to arrest and kill Jesus and they will get their wish because one of Jesus' own disciples will agree to sell him out. So let's skip down to verse 10 and then we'll come back to what's happening in this middle section with this lady that has the essential oils. Look at verse 10. We'll come back to the middle part in a minute. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priest in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. So we have another one of these Markan sandwiches, if you will. In verses 1 and 2, we see that the religious leaders are seeking to arrest Jesus. And then in verses 10 through 11, we see that Judas was seeking to betray him. And in the middle, we have this lady with this jar of essential oils. Now, if you remember from our studies here in Mark... Mark likes to use this sandwich technique a lot in his gospel. And the center section of each of the sandwiches is the focal point. So here in verses 1-11, through Mark has placed the story of this woman anointing Jesus with essential oils. He's placed it between two sections that are highlighting how the religious leaders and Judas were seeking to arrest and betray him. So the religious leaders are going to get their wish as Judas approaches them and he agrees to betray Jesus for a stack of Benjamins. Meanwhile, as the religious leaders are busy hatching plans to catch Jesus, an unnamed woman approaches Jesus and she dumps an entire jar of essential oils on Jesus' head as he is eating his dinner. Look at verse 3. And while Jesus was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came in with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Well, notice first here that Jesus is in the home of a leper. Probably the man was healed, but his name is Simon the leper. Maybe he was healed, maybe he wasn't, but how would you like that for a nickname? The leper. People don't want to sit next to you, so they're in the home of Simon the leper. Perhaps he was healed, but either way, we see that Jesus is still associating with the lowly and the down-and-out outcasts of society. The last and the lost and the least are still his focus a mere two days before his death. He knows he's going to be murdered. He knows he's going to die. And yet still up to the very end, it's the down and out, the outcasts of society who still are on his heart. These are the people that he's still ministering to. It's amazing. And so as they're passing the mashed potatoes and rolls around the dinner table, in comes this woman who stands in stark contrast with the religious leaders. She's seeking Jesus, but not to sell him out, not to stab him in the back with the steak knife that's lying on the kitchen table. She has come to express her love and devotion for her Savior. That's why she's there, simply to express her love and her devotion for her Savior. And what is shocking here is that she broke the cultural norms. Women were only allowed to interrupt a gathering of Jewish men only if they were serving food. Ladies, you could only interrupt a meeting of men if you were bringing in food and drinks. So right off the bat, the disciples of Jesus are suspicious because she comes with a jar of oil and not a jar of cookies. They want to know, why are you here? And not only does this woman interrupt, but she takes this very expensive oil and she just pours it all over Jesus' head. I mean, picture it running down his hair and down his beard while he's about to take a bite of his steak. What she dumped out was literally an essential oil. It was nard. Nard is a well-known Middle Eastern essential oil that has this very powerful, strong scent. So this woman barges in, interrupts this group of Jewish men. She's not bringing any food with her. And she dumps this entire jar on top of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't seem to mind. I love that about Jesus. Jesus. Picture Jesus taking a bite of his mashed potatoes and this woman barges in and just dumps this whole jar of essential oils on his head. And yet it's the disciples who get upset. Not Jesus. Now why? Why do the disciples get upset? Not because she broke cultural rules and norms and interrupted the meeting of men without bringing a cheese platter. And not because she dumped all of this nard on Jesus' head. The disciples get mad because this bottle of nard was expensive. And it's still expensive today. This five milliliter milliliter bottle of doTERRA spike nard costs $66. Five milliliters, $66. So the stuff she has is expensive stuff. And the disciples get mad because they know how much doTERRA essential oils cost. And they realize, we could have sold this and given the money to the poor. In fact, verse 5 says, they scolded her, which in the Greek means to flare the nostrils in anger. So the disciples were mad, nostril flaring mad, because this essential oil was valued at 300 denarii, which was a year's worth of wages. And that's about what essential oils cost today, right? So this was some good stuff that she dumped on Jesus. And what makes this act such an extravagant act of devotion is that women, by and large, were excluded from careers whereby they could ever save up and even dream of purchasing such an item that's so costly, This lady was probably giving up a family heirloom. Not only did it have monetary value, it also probably possessed some sentimental value. And yet she performs this act of extravagant devotion. She even breaks the jar. She just doesn't kind of dribble it on. So she can't keep any of it for herself. An extravagant act of devotion. Putting essential oils on Jesus. Now, think about the dinner guests for a second. You have Simon the leper, and you have this woman who barges in, and you have the disciples, and you have Jesus, and it's Jesus we see who is drawing people, all kinds of people, to himself. And it's the disciples, the insiders, who don't want this woman to come. She's wasted money. They have lost sight of what the incarnation is all about. It's about the message. It's not about the money. It's about people coming to know and love Jesus. It's not about programs. Now, of course, we need money and we need programs. We're not against that stuff. But the focus should always be on the gospel. That's what changes hearts. That's what makes worshipers. That's what changes hearts of sinners. It's the good news of Jesus for bad people like us. Now, contrast the woman with Judas. She loves Jesus, but Judas is using Jesus. Her love leads to action. Judas, on the other hand, he's just using Jesus. So let me pause and ask you this morning are you just using Jesus to make your designer life better? Are you just using Jesus? He's just kind of an add on to make your life better? Or. Do you love him? And so, sandwiched between the chief priests and the scribes planning to murder Jesus and Judas agreeing to betray Jesus, we have this beautiful picture of one woman's love for her Savior. And we have some of the most beautiful words in Scripture when Jesus tells the disciples in verse 6 Leave her alone. Isn't that wonderful? A bunch of uptight religious men getting waited on by women. And when this woman interrupts the meal and they get upset and flare their nostrils at her, Jesus tells them, leave her alone. I bet she remembered these words for the rest of her life. Over the last few chapters in Mark, we've seen two examples of true piety and true worship. And they were both by women. The widow who gave all she had in chapter 12 and this woman who pours out a year's worth of salary onto Jesus. So at the end of Mark's gospel, it's the women who are the examples of true piety and true worship. It's not the scribes. It's not the Pharisees. It's not the religious leaders. It's not even the disciples. But the point is not these women. The point is Jesus their love and their devotion is highlighted, but it's their love and their devotion of Jesus that is highlighted. And therefore, this passage is all about Jesus. Jesus' love and devotion for us is the point of this passion passage. Because it's his love, it's his passion that will lead to his burial. His love for sinners will lead him to the cross and then to the grave. But we also have hearts being exposed in this passage. The chief priests and the scribes have their hearts exposed. They want to kill Jesus. They want to murder him. And the disciples get exposed. They don't want this lady wasting all of this expensive oil. And Judas will have his heart exposed. He will go to the religious leaders and offer to betray Jesus for a little extra cash on the side, a little extra cash under the table. And then we have this woman's heart exposed. Her love and devotion for her Savior is on display. She dumps an entire bottle of oil that's worth a year's worth of salary. And she dumps it all over Jesus. Her devotion, her love has led her to anoint Jesus. And then that's when we see Jesus' heart exposed here. He brings up his death. She, out of love, has anointed Jesus. And Jesus says that she has actually anointed him for his burial, which is all proof of his love. He will die and be buried for sinners. And so the heart of Jesus is on display here. And what Jesus said about this woman's act of devotion And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. What Jesus says about her actions here in Mark 14 is proof that God can't remember all the bad things you have done, and he won't forget all the good things you do. She thought she was anointing Jesus as an act of love and devotion. And that was true. But Jesus said that what she did was also anointing him for burial. And Jesus was buried because he died. And Jesus died because of our sins. He died in our place. And now God can't remember our sins. Jesus was prepared for burial, prepared for death by this woman's sacrifice. But Jesus did not stay in the grave. As Paul says in Romans 4.25, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Jesus was delivered up for our sins. And then he was buried. And then raised three days later, Paul says, for our justification. He was raised so that we could be declared righteous in God's eyes. He was raised so that God would never remember our sins anymore. And we know that God can't remember our sins because this is the glory of the new covenant as the prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 31, verse 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The glory of the new covenant is that God can't remember our sins. We should be flabbergasted by this truth. Those sins that you can't seem to shake and you can't seem to let go of, that are always there in your memory, God cannot remember them. That means that if you are a Christian, and you've repented, you've turned from your sins, turned from living for you, you've owned up to your rebellion and your sin against the Holy God, and now you're trusting in Jesus and what He has done. If now you have been united to Him by faith, and now you are in union with Him, then everything that you have ever done against God, everything that you have ever done against His glory, everything that you have ever done against His law, He cannot remember. He took care of that at the cross. And everything that you have ever done or ever will do for the good of others and for the glory of God's name, He won't forget. As a father, God remembers all the good things that his kids do. And isn't that what a good father does? Good fathers delight in their children. Not perfectly, of course. Not all the time because we're sinners. But good fathers and good mothers and good parents delight in their children and what their children do. And because we are in union with Christ now, God looks at our good works and he takes joy and delight in them. And so when you do a simple thing like pray for a missionary, it delights God to no end. You're just thinking, I just prayed for a missionary, okay. And you're going to forget about it, but it delights God to no end. And he'll never forget the fact that you prayed for a missionary on that day at that moment. And when you give financially to a missionary, it delights God to no end. All that you do for global outreach, all that you do to see the nations come to know and enjoy Jesus, that delights Jesus to no end, and he will never forget it, ever. So what we want you to do today is to go into the gym and maybe just find one missionary that you pray a prayer for, and God will remember that you prayed that prayer forever. And so that means that 10,000 years into eternity, Jesus may walk up alongside you, put his arm around your shoulder, and say, do you remember that time at the 2018 Missions Conference at Grace Baptist Church in Santa Maria, California, when you stopped and prayed for that missionary? Do you remember that? Oh, you don't? You don't remember praying for the rites in Japan? Well, I do. I remember it all. I remember all that you did for me that weekend. I have not And I will never forget it. Now, let's go eat some Chick-fil-A. So understand this, grace. Number one, there will be Chick-fil-A in heaven. And it will be open on Sundays. And number two, Jesus will never, ever forget all that you do for him in his name. He can't remember your sins. And he won't forget all your good works which still happen to be tainted with sin, by the way. Even though we are united to Christ by faith, even though we've been declared righteous, our good works are still tainted with sin. The Holy Spirit is working through us to bring about these good works, but because we're involved in the process, we bring sin into the equation. All that we do is tainted with sin because we're still sinners. As the Westminster Confession of Faith states, About our good works. It says this, and because as they are good works, as they are good, they proceed from His Spirit, and as they are wrought by us, they are defiled and mixed with so much weakness and imperfection that they cannot endure the severity of God's judgment. Yet, notwithstanding the person of believers being accepted through Christ, their good works are also accepted in Him not as though they were in this life wholly unblameable and unreprovable in God's sight, but that he, looking upon them in his Son, is pleased to accept and reward that which is sincere, although accompanied by many weaknesses and imperfections. So our good works are brought about by the Spirit of God. All that we do for Jesus is brought about by the Holy Spirit. He's working in our hearts as the gospel soaks in. But because we are involved, and because we still have to do our part, our works are tainted with sin, and with weaknesses, and with imperfection. So our good works would not survive judgment. Our good works could not stand up to God's law, the standard of his righteousness. But they are nonetheless accepted by God because of Jesus. They are accepted in him because we are in union with him. And so God looks upon our weak, sin-stained good works in his Son, and he is therefore pleased to accept them and to reward what is sincere even though they are accompanied by many weaknesses and imperfections. Our good works could never stand up to God's law, His standard of righteousness. We could never meet the law's uh, standard of perfection. But in Jesus, God looks and sees them, and He is pleased. So when you get involved with missions, whether it is simply praying for a missionary or supporting them financially, or serving on the global outreach team, or helping out with the Good News Club, or serving at the Central Coast Rescue Mission, or going on a short-term trip, or serving as a full-time missionary yourself, God looks and sees all that you do for Him. And number one, He is pleased. And number two, He will never, ever forget. We forget the ways that we serve and bless people, don't we? We forget. Some of you Six years ago, prayed for some random missionary and you can't even remember who it was and what you prayed for. But God didn't forget. God looks upon and sees all that you do for him and he is pleased and he will never ever forget. Theologian and seminary professor Michael Horton said, we cannot please God as a judge, but we can please him as our father. In Christ, God is your father. We can't please God as judge because he's holy. He's perfect. He demands perfection of every single one of us. But in Christ, by being in union with him, we are accepted as his sons and daughters, and we can please him. We can please our heavenly father with our weak, feeble, and sin-stained good works. Are our good works tainted with sin and self? Yes. But if they are done in love, love for neighbor and love for God, then they are beautiful to our Father because they are done in His name and for His glory. And we see that with this woman here in Mark 14. Her love and devotion of Jesus spilled over, pun intended, and Jesus told her that her act of devotion would be heard in tribes and villages and people groups all over the world when the gospel was proclaimed there. This woman's act was recorded In scripture. And when the gospel goes to places and they get the scripture, they get God's word in their own language, they read about her. People may never read about what you do, but God never forgets. People may never know what you do for him and for the good of others, but God never forgets. The gospel is the good news of God's son for bad people. And when that message gets down into the nooks and crannies of your heart and you rub it into your pores like an essential oil and it causes you to go and love and serve others, then it pleases God because it's the message of His Son that has moved you. God the Father loves His Son Jesus. And Jesus pleased His Father when He took delight in doing what His Father sent Him to do in the incarnation His death pleased God, His burial pleased God. Everything that Jesus did pleased His Father. And when the message of the gospel lands on our hearts and we soak in that gospel oil and then we love and serve others for God's glory, it brings our Father much pleasure. God delights to see His children soak in the good news of His Son and then go and labor for the nations of the world. It's just taken that gospel oil and rubbing it into our pores like an essential oil and when the gospel spreads through the nooks and crannies of our hearts we get synced up with the heart of God and when this happens we want to see others come to know and enjoy Jesus we want to see the nations come and enjoy Jesus we want to see all the nations of the world come to know that Jesus cannot remember their sins they trust in him. John Piper said, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations with him. Your heart was made for this. Christian, your heart was made, created by God to embrace the nations with Jesus. So when the gospel gets into the nooks and crannies of our hearts, we get synced up with God's heart, we get synced up with Jesus' heart, just like this woman here in Mark 14. Her heart was synced up with Jesus. So she dumps all of this expensive essential oil on top of his head. She could have kept it for herself, used it to help heal some of her friends. Her friends could have described some of their symptoms, and she could have said, there's an essential oil for that, here you go. But she didn't. Her heart was synced up with Jesus, and she shows her devotion through this act. And that's what the gospel does. It gets us out of me mode And it gets us into others' mode. Serving other people for their good and God's glory. And sharing the good news with others. And praying for missionaries. And that's what it means to be alive as a Christian. To be free. To quit obsessing over the mirror. Freedom comes when you quit obsessing over you. Do you want to be free this morning? then look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's no freedom to be found by looking inward. There's no freedom to be found by obsessing over you, how you look, what's happening in your heart, what you want, what you should be doing, getting your needs met, you, you, you. There's no freedom in you. It's always and only found outside of you by looking to Jesus. And when you look to Jesus you will be reminded of God's amazing love. And you'll develop a heart for the nations like Jesus. And when you are reminded of God's amazing love, you'll want to respond to that love by loving God and by loving His children and by working and laboring for others because you love Jesus so much and because you want to make much of His name and not yours. This incident with the woman in Mark 14 is a reminder that God can't remember all the bad things you have done and he won't forget all the good things you do. And we need this reminder too because how often do we get tired from serving and loving other people? Aren't we all susceptible to that? For those of you who are laboring in ministry, for any of you here who are missionaries, isn't it a much-needed encouragement that God won't forget what you do as you serve others week in and week out? Don't you find it exhausting to serve? It can be right. It can feel pointless at times. It can feel futile at times, if we're honest. So how refreshing to hear that our heavenly Father delights in all of our labors. It's just so easy to grow weary in ministry. Is there an essential oil for weakness in ministry? It's just so easy to grow weary, loving and serving others. Is there an essential oil for that? It's so easy to get sluggish about the Great Commission? So easy to lose hope? Have you ever been there? You get tired of serving in that ministry. You get tired of serving those people. They get harder to love. You keep serving, but you're tired. Have you ever been there? Of course you have. We all have. And so what gives you the fuel to continue serving? What gives you the fuel to continue loving someone? The answer is simple, and you know it. It's the gospel. When you hear how Jesus loved you and served you when you were at your worst... It should cause your heart to keep loving and serving others even when they are at their worst. And that's why you need to keep rehearsing the gospel. If you're weak today and you're tired and worn out from ministry and you're tired of serving your family and you're tired of serving your kids, parents, I know you are, and you're tired of serving your spouse and you're tired of serving your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and you're tired of serving others at church, Look to Jesus and drink deeply of the gospel again. First Chronicles 16, 23 says, Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. It's only as we hear about what Jesus has done for us in loving and serving us that we'll be energized to love and serve others for God's glory. In their book, The life we never expected, Andrew and Rachel Wilson remind us that God's purposes come about through millions of unnamed people doing unheard of things in unnoticeable ways to the glory of God. God's kingdom is extended in this world through millions of unnamed people doing things that nobody ever hears about to the glory of God. People may not see you writing that check to that missionary. They may never hear you pray a prayer for a missionary. They may never see you serving and loving other people. But God does. And it brings him glory. And it brings him joy. It brings a smile to his face. And he looks around and he says to others, You see him? That's my boy. See that guy praying for that missionary? That's my boy. And her? You see her? That's my girl. She's giving up Starbucks for a week and sending the money to a missionary. I love that about her. People may not see you working behind the scenes, but God does, and it brings them joy. People may never hear of your efforts to see the gospel go to the nations, but God knows. And when you keep loving and you keep working, it extends his purposes in this world, and it's all done but very ordinary people doing very ordinary mundane things for the good of others and the glory of God's name. So when you don't want to teach that Sunday school class, drink deeply of the gospel, you will receive a blessing. And when you don't want to serve your children because they're driving you crazy, drink deeply of the gospel and let it produce a crop that is useful to your children in whatever way that you find yourself exhausted in ministry today, remember that God is not unjust. He will not overlook your hard work and all the ways that you express your love for Him by serving other people. There's a blessing there. God can't remember all the bad things that you have done and He won't forget all the good things you do. So be encouraged today. Christian, you are forgiven. You are clean. Jesus can't remember your sins. Believe that today and enjoy your forgiveness. And because your sins are forgiven today, why not eat some cake or a cookie for dessert? Did you know it's National Dessert Day today? So It's National Dessert Day. Your sins are forgiven. You should have dessert today. At least one helping, maybe two. Lighten up. Have some cake. Your sins are forgiven after all. Your sins are forgiven, so why not enjoy some cake today? Go to the missions lunch and get dessert. But I want you to be encouraged in your labors for the Lord today. Jack Miller said, What good are my labors if I'm no longer enjoying the Lord. Let's leave today enjoying the Lord. We don't want to labor for Him and serve Him and serve others while being crabby, while being curmudgeons. Let's loosen up and enjoy the Lord. Let's be a church who doesn't take ourselves too seriously. Let's laugh today. Let's dance. Let's enjoy the Lord. Be encouraged that Jesus Will never forget all that you do for him. What good are our labors if we're no longer enjoying the Lord? Let's pray. Father, how easy it is to labor for you while not enjoying you. How easy it is to labor in ministry and get tired, to be worn out and exhausted. And to feel like it's pointless and useless, like we're not really ministering to anyone and no one's responding, how easy it is to get discouraged. So we ask you today, Lord, that you would refresh our hearts. Ask that you would refresh the hearts of our missionaries that we support here at Grace, those who are scattered around the world, and especially those that are here today, Father. We want to leave them, them to leave us refreshed and encouraged and empowered for a new season of ministry. So would you refresh their hearts today and refresh our hearts, Lord. Help us to be a church that loosens up, takes uh, the weight and the deadliness of sin seriously, but also takes the good news of the gospel seriously, that we loosen up and enjoy our forgiveness and be free, be honored and glorified by all that we do for the rest of today, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.